Welcome back to First Draft Phil. My name is Phil Lager. I am a singer-songwriter and worship leader. This is the podcast where we talk about music and worship and following Jesus. And if you have listened to any of my previous episodes, you may have heard a name come up a couple of times, Randy Bonifield. Randy is a worship pastor at Christ Community Church in Kansas City, and uh, he's come up on a previous episode or two, my my first, very first episode with John Copeland. John recounted a humorous story of how uh, one of the first times he was leading worship, uh, he butchered a song, and that song just happened to have been written by today's guest, Randy. Uh, and we also talked about Randy on the Eric Himes episode. Eric spoke about how influential Randy was on his life. Randy has been influential on uh, the lives of many people, both within the Salvation Army and outside of the Salvation Army. Uh, he's a good friend. I've come to him for advice and 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 counsel many times over the years. Uh, and on today's episode, we get to know a little bit about Randy, how he got started leading worship, and how he met his wife and his family. So just sit back and enjoy this first episode of my conversation with Randy Bonifield. Welcome to First Draft Phil, um, and today on my podcast I have a friend that has uh, known me, I have known him for several years now, several, several years, and I feel like I'm saying that more and more lately, Randy, uh, several, several years, because I'm feeling, uh, I l- I'm looking across at you now, and you, I mean, I, I'm not complaining, Um you have a full white beard almost now, and <laughs> I I just noticed the other day that I, it's it used to be just a little patch. Is this how it started with you? Just one patch on one side, or yeah, pretty much. And the, okay, so now it's a little patch on the other side. So, yeah. frankly, when it started to go, I just wanted it to go. Yeah, I I wish my beard was fully white. It's but it's it, it's good, close. It's close. It's close. It's, it's, it's looking. <laughs> Give it a few more so years. Good. I could partly because I want my grandkids to think of me as Santa mm. Claus. Mm. So it's maybe a little selfish. This is a podcast where we talk about beards and music and worship and following Jesus and not necessarily in that order. Um, but um, Randy Bonifield, thank you for being on my podcast. You're very welcome. It's good to have you here in town. You're in yeah. Kansas City. I'm in Kansas City. We're recording yeah. this in an Airbnb. Uh, we just got through actually hearing a, a bunch of great worship artists. I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a good term. Yeah. Um, at this retreat, um, it's a worship songwriting retreat that I'm in town for. Um, yeah, I, I just played a song tonight that um, a, a brand new song, and you got to and I love it. it. And, I, and if you don't send it to me, I will kill you. <laughs> okay, All because right. uh, I, I, that's something. Seriously, that is a song that we will use at my church. Yeah. If, if you're willing to yeah. use it, love it, so, love it. Yeah. Um, but this is not about me. People well, that, about was, me. Oh, that was about, about you. 
Um, you, I've known you for a number of years, but the first thing I like to do uh, with my guests is just ask them to tell me just a little bit, um, who is Randy Bonifield and what has your faith journey been like? I know that's, um, you could say a lot. No, no. I like to leave it open-ended, so you take that wherever you want it. Okay. Um, well, it, it started when I was a child. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've, I've listened to a couple of your of your. Uh, well, I've listened to every episode, <laughs> frankly. Yay! Um, and uh, and I've heard some of the stories. It's it's so funny how similar some of our stories can be. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, my experience with Jesus really started because I grew up the, the son of officers in the Salvation Army. My parents, Robert and Ruth Bonifield, mm-hmm. uh, were faithful officers for 40-plus years in the Salvation Army. And they were really the you know the foundation for me. And I re- I can remember um, my go ahead just rip it. Sorry, that sound was me taking my name tag off from the conference. Sorry. <laughs> so I can remember uh, as like a seven or eight year old child uh, walking the aisle of our little Salvation Army Wichita West Corps um, in Kansas, and mm-hmm. walking up and just giving my my I didn't I don't know that I knew fully what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I knew that I needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I gave my life to Jesus. Now, the truth of the matter is, I know that that wasn't mm. like a life-altering. My dad tells a story about when he was a young man that he decided to give his life to Jesus and never turned back. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's my, uh, no, it's not my story. It's yeah. not, I don't yeah. think it's my story. It's, it's not, not my story. Yeah, sure. My story is one of having, uh, I, I got to swim in the waters of, of Jesus and of faith my entire life. Mm. And I've, uh, I've found myself where I take two steps forward, one step back kind of thing throughout my life. And it was in college that I remember in college. So I was away. Uh, we, we have a shared sort of college history. You went to Berkeley and actually graduated from Berkeley. I went to Berkeley. And after my first year at Berkeley, I, I loved it. I had a great time there. I was finding great success there. Mm-hmm. Um, I went away for the summer, went back home. I didn't actually go back home. I went and, and, and ran a day camp in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Okay. And while I was there, uh, I had this great, uh, I, I don't want to say it's the voice of God or anything like that, but I really sensed that God was telling me you can't go back there because you keep running away from me. Mm. Uh, more precisely, what I think what I was being told was music is becoming God. Mm. And you have placed that before me. And if you go back there, it will happen yeah. again. Wow. Um, and so I, that summer, decided, okay, I can't go back. I turned to my parents. I said, I, I don't think I can go back. And my dad said, well, there's this little college down the street which was North Park College in Chicago. And that's where I actually got my degree, mm. uh, was from North Park. It's now North Park University. But, um, uh, and that was where I started leading worship. At, the, at, the at, at North Park. Okay. So my story there is, uh, so, so my first crisis of faith yeah. in, in my life was seeing music as God and having to sort of reprioritize my life. And that moment in college was a real eye opener for me. It uh, it it made me it made me set the priorities straight. But it was also sort of this 
real work of God mm. taking place in me. Mm. Um, then this, uh, uh, so, so, so while I was at North Park, this was just such a neat thing. There was a new chaplain at the college, and he said to me one day, "Would you be willing to come and just play music under communion for our communion service?" Mm-hmm. So it was a college chapel night, and I said, "Sure." And then he said, "Well, and then after you're done just playing a song, if maybe you could sing a song hmm. that people could sing with you." <laughs> and I said, "Sure, that I, I can do that. That's pretty yeah. easy." Yeah. And so I did that. And unbeknownst to me, I was leading worship. Leading worship, right? right. Yeah, it's very tricky. Uh, and, and this was 1988. There weren't really a lot of people uh, that I knew who were leading worship at churches. Most music directors I knew at churches were orchestra, choir directors kind of thing. Right. And I knew that really wasn't my gig. Right. Um, and so uh, it really wasn't until a couple years after, or actually my senior year in, in college, that I met a guy named Bob Stromberg, and Bob brought me into a band that led led worship for a, a denominational cong- a congress, uh, their convention mm-hmm. for the Covenant Church. Okay. And in doing so, it actually was for the Covenant uh, High School group. Okay. Um, and in doing so, I was sort of my eyes were open to this new way of yeah. of like in, engaging youth right. in singing. And so out of that came a recording called Awesome God. Engaging as opposed to just a company. Just a company, so that, yeah. So meaning, yeah. So meaning he was singing songs with the students and having them sing with him. And I had never seen anything really like yeah. this before. Yeah. And, and I remember him saying to me, Randy, I don't think that you're ever going to be like a big star. I mean, he was a really good friend. He was a good friend. Hmm. He says, but I, I believe you can change a denomination. Mm. And, uh, and, and so uh, out of that came the opportunity for me. Then I went to the territory and said, what if we did? Well, one of the things they did at this conference is we performed. We would sing with the students, and I was in the band, and they recorded the whole thing live. Okay. And yeah. then every student went home with a tape of all the songs that they sang now, at the conference. What is that? A tape? A tape. A cassette tape. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's pre-streaming, <laughs> pre-CD. There were tapes. Gotcha. So I'm telling you a whole lot of history here. Yeah. So but, at yeah. this point, you're, you're so, so... So I'm just, still... I'm, I'm a Salvation... At that point, I'm a Salvation Army. Uh, so 91. This was 91. Yep. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm a music director in the Western Michigan and Northern Indiana Division. Okay. Part-time. So it's, it's like a part-time and then also service extension director. I know the two things don't match up at all. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah. We, won't, we won't get into that. Right. Um, but I was doing that, and he brought me in to do this this conference and it was at that point that I went the light yeah. turned on that we have these youth councils all over the country yeah. that what if we wrote songs mm. and made yeah. not rather than record it live we make the tape we we then release it to all the the, the all the territories yeah. so that we're singing a common hymnody yeah and it's something that's thematic it goes with each Youth councils and so on, and so we 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 did a, a series of three of those. Yeah, um, that was awesome. That was the awesome, awesome guy one. was the first one. The second one was just say yes to Jesus Christ. Not my favorite one, but uh, there's some cheesy stuff on that. <laughs> and then uh, uh, one called Certain Victory. Okay, so so that's uh, that's 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 my kind of my history of worship. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I'm I, I'm so that that kind of 
that life-changing moment in college really affected kind of where I was going. Gotcha. So let's look down the road just a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, now, um, I'm now a worship pastor at Christ Community Church. Christ Community Church. It's here probably in... 2010. Okay. Yep. I, I took that job in 2003 here in Kansas City. Here in Kansas City. Um, a 20, multi-campus, multi-campus, multi-campus church. Uh, well, now it is. <laughs> now it is. Sorry, it wasn't back then. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, at 2010, uh, it's Christmas Eve. I'm. I've just led the last service. I've gone home. Uh, I sit down on, on my bed to 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 get ready to to go to sleep. It's like one o'clock in the morning, and uh, I I start having what I think is a heart attack. Right. Uh, it wasn't a heart attack. I, I just started getting numb. My whole arm started getting numb. Um, yeah. and, and I'll just, you know, to, at that moment, I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. I, so I started to have a panic attack. Uh, we called the ambulance. I go to the hospital and I laid in the hospital bed and I wasn't sure if I was going to meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a worship pastor. I've been living, you know, a life of faith for how many years? And I don't have the assurance that if I were to die in this moment, if I were to be, if this was it for me, uh, I did not feel as though, yeah, mm. I, I just didn't have a confidence. Mm. And what that moment did for me was caused me to really search, mm. both biblically and even personally, like why, why Randy would the life that you're leading right now not be and and the faith that you have in Jesus why isn't it why why and i think that what it came down to is i didn't i didn't understand or i had plenty of grace for you and i have plenty of grace for anybody i meet but that same grace doesn't isn't for me and i found myself recognizing that i did not have a full Understanding of what the gospel really meant for me. Mm. It was it was for everybody else, but it wasn't for me. Uh, and so I, you know, over the next year or so, I, I spent yeah. a lot of time studying and reading and praying and and just wanting to get a sense of, of you know, what that knowing that what Jesus did was enough. Right. That there's nothing more that I can add to it. <laughs> Nothing I can do, as much as I want to try to attain it, um, it's, it's all the work of Jesus, mm. all the grace of Jesus. So, so that to year, me, that year, that was year, that was 20, 2011. 2011. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that to me is not that I'm finished growing, right. um, but my That's salvation true. experience, my my experience with God, is one of many years. I, I love what you said uh, about <clears throat> being a child and swimming around mm-hmm. in in the waters. And I love how. Jesus invites the little children 
to come mm-hmm. to him. And I wonder, you know, for, uh, and, and you're right, like I do share uh, anybody who <laughs> grows up in church and is still, you know, by a miracle of God, by the grace of God, still following Jesus later on in life, you know, that, that I think that's a lot of people's story is the, is the unfolding, like it's just realizing how, you know, um, because I think, I can't, I can't speak for you, but for me, growing up in that, that was reality. Like I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how real God was for my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was just like that as a kid, if you see that, if your parents are, are followers of Jesus with any kind of, you know, um, uh, consistency, you know, and, and you see, Oh, that's, you, you just take it for granted, you know, that, that God is real, that Jesus loves you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you sw- you have to swim, to swim around in it, but, um, uh, without telling my whole story, uh, because this is, this is even though this is first draft, Phil, you're my guest today. But I was in a Romans class. I was in a class in Bible college, okay. you know, in 1997, um, when I I finally realized, oh, salvation is a gift. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. I can remember my professor talking about what the word grace meant, and I, yeah. and for the first time, I was just sitting in that class, and like the heavens were parting, and I was just like, what? And I'm not sure if some of that comes from our Armenian sort of Wesleyan holiness background of the fact that we, uh, it's not that we believe in works because we, we don't, it's not, that's not it. It's there's, but there's, it's almost like we have grown up with a, a yes. And it's like grace. Well, yes. And I don't know about was your experience, was it taught to you or did you hear a lot that people who believed that, and this is not a theological podcast, by the way, but people who believe in uh, once saved, always saved. Like I was, I remember hearing that, oh, Baptists just think they can get saved and keep on sinning. Like, you know, like, it's just like, and so we were taught like, no, you have to, you got to do these things to make sure you're safe, you know? Yeah. Well, and and there was always that danger too, growing up again in a Wesleyan sort of, that that you can backslide. You can, you can actually... Uh, step away mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and which, which is you know when you're a kid especially that's why we went to the altar all the time. Right. It's like when makes let, let me just make sure Scary. let me just make sure it's done. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, going back to that that idea of uh, like swimming in those waters, uh, Bob Stromberg again totally tells this wonderful story about going going to camp and. Uh, they one they would give their testimonies around the campfire and, and so he was going to give his testimony the first night, but somebody else did and they told this really dark to light sort of experience. Right. How God reached down and pulled this guy out of the gutter and mm-hmm. saved him from drinking and drugs and all this sort of stuff. And and Bob says, you know, at that point I, I didn't I didn't think I had a testimony mm-hmm. um, because that's not my testimony. So he, you know his story is he made one up that was really. <laughs> crazy <laughs> but he's but he comes down to hey what my testimony is this it's not the gutter that god saved me f- it's, it, that he pulled me out of it's the one he kept me out of in the first yeah, time first, first place. place and so when i think about us swimming in these waters mm-hmm. and being it, it's it's what a grace gift it is to us yeah. that we never found ourselves now yeah at times it it keeps us from from having that experience of being able to say yes yeah. Life was dark, and now it, now I'm in the, I live in the light. 
I think what we find ourselves doing is we, we lessen the darkness that we were living in. Mm. Because we, we, we in, our, in our natural state, mm. we're, we're without hope and without God in the right, world. Right, right. It doesn't matter if we grew up in the Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No matter how dark the dark was, it's still dark. It's dark. Yeah. Exactly. You are a, a husband and father. Yeah. Um, how'd you meet Wendy? Uh, well, we met, uh, initially we met at a, a Salvation Army Congress. Okay. We were 14 years old. Wow. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you'll, you know, she does a podcast called On Carlson Drive. Okay. And she has, she has told our story. Okay. Really, really well. All right. So if, if anybody's listening and they're looking for I'll a new, put a link in the new show podcast to listen to, she, yeah, it's just, she tells these stories really well, but, but our story is this. Okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, we met at a congress, and I had I was attracted to one of her friends. Okay. And that summer, I kind of wrote back and forth with the friend. We were going to meet at CMI, uh, Central Music yes. Institute. Yes, I have done. Um, and we were going to we were going to meet up there and date. Quote: I'm doing air quotes. Date yes. because you know we we're going to I don't know <laughs> hold hands, go to the banquet, whatever. Right. Um, and when I got to the, when I got to CMI, she was like, Yeah, nah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not interested anymore, and and it, and I, but I was trying to get her to still like me. Yeah, and 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 her friend. And so this this her friend wouldn't really talk to me, but Wendy would. Okay, and so Wendy and I spent a lot of time together. There you go. And we were talking, and the more we talked throughout the week, I was like, "Why am I messing around with that girl? Yeah, this girl's cute and." I know her better, yeah, you know, and yeah, we've yeah. spent all this time together. And so we went to the banquet that year. We were 14. We have a picture, actually. Um, That's special. Somebody man. took a picture of that. At, uh, throughout the years, we, anytime we saw each other, we yeah. were together. That's cool. Uh, but you know how the Salvation Army kind of works. You don't always live in the same right. city as someone. And we sure. never, ever lived in the same city hmm. before we got married. Yeah. The most time we ever spent together was 10 days at a CBLI or a CMI. Yeah. Well, um, um, up to that, up to our marriage, our, you know, our wedding, um, it was mostly long distance. We have these, you know, <laughs> these these collections of letters that we wrote yeah. while we were in college. And, that's cool. Um, so whether it was Congress or a CMI or a CBLI, yeah. that's where we would sort of see each other and mm. Um, and get back together and, you know, so yes, on and so the forth. Summer, the, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Help. And it wasn't until my senior year of college, her senior year of college, we met up again at, C, at CMI mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. She came out as a visitor. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was a camper that year and she came out cause she was working and she, uh, came out to visit the last weekend. And there was just that moment where we went to hold hands and it was kind of like both of us knew. Yeah. We do this. Hmm. This is for real. This is for this Very is for cool. Good. Yeah, love and that. So, yeah. I love that man. Yeah. It I was wanted thirty three yeah. years 30 ago. Years. Next week that we got married. praise the Lord and yeah. congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Thirty three years. Your marriage has lasted uh, the life of Jesus of Nazareth <laughs> on, on the earth. <laughs> we often we often say we've been married now. We've been married now more longer than we were not. Yeah, you know, which is kind of a, a that's weird cool. thing to think about. But, yeah. Uh, and you, so now you have children. I do. I have, and? Yeah, I have three daughters. Oh, so really quickly, I have three daughters. <laughs> my oldest is married to Bennett. Uh, and my oldest, Aaron, is married to Bennett. Aaron is a high school band director. 
you're in town. Okay. Um, she, they have two children now. Yeah. Um, Micah is their oldest, and Maisie was just born two weeks ago. Yeah. Two and a half weeks ago. Uh, then I have a daughter, Hannah, who lives here in town. Uh, she works remotely for a company in Maine. Okay. Uh, she's like a, a she well not like she's an employee specialist who works directly with engineers, okay. uh, hires and fires, kind of contracts them, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then my my third daughter is uh, a a junior essentially at Washburn University, which is in Topeka. Cool. She's studying occupational therapy. It seems to me another area that we might have in common is that music and or the arts and Jesus were like those were the the constants. Right. In our, in our, is that is that true? For, yeah, for I would you guys? also I would also say church. Yeah, uh, church. You know, so again, the, the same waters that we swam in when we were young, our my kids have have been right. swimming in as well. Yeah, and I uh, I have to say one of the things that oftentimes and I, it's true that parents are the main discipler of their children. Yeah. Um, however, we don't do that alone, and and you can't do it alone. I. I I can't stress how important a church community is in mm. the life of mm. people mm. in general. Mm. But in the life of a family, it's even more so. Because your children need to see that Jesus is important in the lives of other, other people, people, not just you. Right. And uh, I think one of the stats they say is that if a, if, a, if a student knows five people by name in a church, they will be planted in that church, they they will find uh, belonging mm. and family. Yeah, and and so one of that's one of the things that we stressed throughout our our raising our kids was that church was never a, a it was never a negotiable. Yeah, we do that. That's what we do, and and it doesn't matter if you have a cross country meet that day or a soccer match or whatever. You're going to make it to church. Yeah. And then, you know, so when you go to a larger church, sometimes it's good because you've got two or three services to choose from. Right. But, uh, but we, but it was never, it was never a question for our kids. Yeah. They were, they, and, and I don't know how that is because I know other parents who've done the same thing. Yeah. Who've made church a very important part of their, their kids' lives and their kids have kind of yeah. walked away from yeah. their faith. Um, I think that. Uh, I think to be fair, well, not to be fair, to be honest and transparent, one of the things that we did as parents was to say to our kids, there is no taboo subject. Love it. So So good. So when you struggle with how your faith meets your world, uh, we're not going to shy away from that conversation. And we're not going to say, how dare you think that? How dare you talk about that? We we made sure that everything was. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting emotional. I don't know why. Um, I, we wanted to make sure that everything was was a a uh, an approachable subject, and the reason is because we believe, and we still do, and my daughter's a public school teacher. That public schools need. Young people who know and love Jesus, sure. even though they don't do it perfectly, um, you know, I, we we know that we don't have we don't have any delusions in regards to our children in terms of like they were the perfect believer or whatever. Sure. But we do know that without that kind of light in those public spaces, we uh, 
that only the darkness wins. So, so we, we made it a, a, a stress for our, for our family that we were going to send our kids to public school. Uh, we were going to make sure that they knew that home was as safe as it could possibly be. That home was the safest place you could be, that you belonged here, that you were loved here no matter what, and that their friends were loved here and, and, known, and known here and, and, and they belonged there as well. Um, but that we wanted to be building in them the, the ability to be light in, right. in darkness. And, yeah. and so that, I think that just having those open, that openness mm-hmm. in conversation, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, Jesus had hard conversations. Sure. He, and he, he went to, he went to dark places and he yeah. sat with people who, you know, didn't particularly live the way he had designed us to live. Right. And, uh, mm. you know, yeah, your world changes when your, your daughter's friend comes out to her right. when she's in high school. Yeah. Um, and you have to have categories for that for them. Mm. You have to be able to, to talk about that and not just mm. throw out, you know, scripture that, that chastises or, or that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's um, yeah. That's a whole we could talk about. Sure could. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I already have. Yeah. No, no. It's, it's, all, it's all, We hey, there's this is this is first draft. So. Right. There'd be no hard times without the sunshine There'd be no thunderstorms at all I'd be just fine if the sun would always shine But into every life a little rain must fall Okay, so that was part one of my conversation with Randy Bonifield. We had such a good conversation that we didn't even bother looking down at the clock. And before we knew it, we had gone an hour and a half. So this is going to be a three-part conversation. Next week in part two, we're going to talk a little bit more about Randy's personal musical journey, uh, as well as what led him to start um, a gospel choir in his role with the Salvation Army um, and how that was uh, more of a a youth discipleship program, or I should say just as much a youth discipleship program as it was anything else. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys listening. Please leave a review, follow, like, subscribe in all the places that you do that. It's so helpful. And I will catch you next week on First Draft Field.